I, I want you to put here what you don't want. Okay, is it running yes, now? Yes, it's running. Okay, well, for publication, we should uh, not discuss anything as far as any type of litigation other than we should say that Charlie Norton B&B Towing Service had a dispute with the new owners of CSX ACBL Barge Line that existed for approximately a year and a half, which was settled. And I, be, I was very uh, pleased with the settlement of the, uh, with the railroad and with the new ACBL company. And I continued on in business till December of 1996, at which time I agreed to give them back their fleets and their lease boats, uh, which we did. And then in December of 96, the business and nature of functioning on the river business become a, a completely different world as far as my uh, pleasures of business. And I chose to get out of the harbor business completely. And I leased the two boats that I own, which are presently the Charlie Boy, a thousand horsepower boat, and the Miss Jan, a 700 horsepower boat, to Paragon Marine Service, who is working with Consolidated Grain and Barge Company. And the portions of fleets that I still had uh, control of, I leased those to Paragon Marine Service for a daily tug rate for five years. And uh, I leased the uh, fleeting areas to those people. I committed the fleeting area to those people and have enjoyed just doing nothing since December of 1996 other than continuing on and uh, coming over to the river every day and visiting with the people at Paragon Marine Service and the old people who I know on the river. And I hope if my health continues to do this until I die. Charlie, you, you, you've done me so much. This has been wonderful. You've talked about yourself, but you've given me a, a really good history of what's happened around here. Well, what's you've happened here is happening in all industries today. I saw on the news uh, the other night where Ford Motor Company bought out KIA Motor Company which is a Korean manufacturing automobile uh, company. I mean, it, it, nothing has happened in the river industry that's not happening throughout the world. Uh, I don't fit in to that nature of business. I am a personal related business person that uh, my employees I know as well as I know my son, and I like that way of business where corporate structure does not uh, function in that manner. You become more or less a number, and uh, the, uh, you, you, you lose, I felt I lost a complete uh, feeling of importance in my position to the river business through working with the big corporations. I no longer was important. I no longer, uh, people didn't know Charlie Norton. They didn't care who Charlie Norton was. They only looked at the numbers. And I didn't enjoy that. And that's the main reason I chose to just quit. 
like that. I like a personal family type relationship in business, which uh, in bigger business is pretty much history. And my husband says now there's no long-term employment. They want people for like seven years and then you're finished. Well, and it's most of the river people today, you've got a lot of your older river people are staying and hanging on until retirement. Mm -hmm. But uh, most of the new younger employees that I experienced from uh, say 92 to 96 come down to make a paycheck, maybe they stay a month and they're gone. And as you go through so many people, uh, from 92 to 96, I actually had 12 jobs on the tugboats for two tugboats. And I would go through 96 to 100 employees a year. So I didn't care for that. Uh, uh, Jack was telling me they've got a school over here in Belleville that teaches you how to work on the river. They do what? They have a school. Belleville Area College now is uh, giving a course in decans <laughs> on the land. Yes. <laughs> well, he, Which, he had uh, it. There again, that's yeah. out of my field. That, right. that comes in higher academic uh, <laughs> ideals uh, of uh, performing and developing character and business for a particular job, which uh, I don't understand. I think it'd be very difficult to learn anything about the river in a college or on, a, on land. But if they can do it, more power to them. Um, you say everything, the same thing happens on the river that's happening other places. What is different about the river that is not the same as other places? Do you know that? No. The river is, is an industry of its own, always will be, can never be changed because of nature. Mm -hmm. You cannot in any manner or fashion say what you're going to do next month in this river business. Uh, the past two weeks the river got down to three feet, which is very low water in the harbor. Three feet on the river gauge in St. Louis Harbor means that the uh, Corps of Engineers and government should maintain a channel for barge traffic of nine feet draft below zero. The river stage in St. Louis at zero is very low water and the Corps of Engineers and the various people who take care of the river channel have to start dredging and everything else to keep a nine foot draft channel for transportation to the coast. And now the uh, river got down to three feet here a few weeks ago. Last week the river jumped back up to 28.8 feet because of the big rains in Kansas City and throughout the Missouri River Basin. We get a 25 foot change in this river in a matter of a couple of weeks. Now that you cannot put on paper nor cost because your whole operation changes out here. The current picks up and the drift is running and there's a lot of problems involved. A lot of accidents happen during those periods of time which are hard to avoid. Mm -hmm. So you can't, it's not like a train going down a railroad track that is there every day and that train is on a schedule 
and he's going to hit that town and this town at certain times of the day because he's going to go so many miles an hour with that train and so many tons of freight in those rail cars. The river is not like that in any manner whatsoever or fashion. Um, you came to the river because somebody told you there was a job here. That's right. Um, how has it grown on you, the river itself? The river doesn't grow on you. It's just, the river is no different than anything else. So you don't have a love affair with the river? Well, no, I don't have a love affair with nothing. <laughs> Charlie, to be quite honest, does with it you. does it have any emo like like Jack's been on it all this all his life with his father and and I interviewed this. Um, he comes down here seven days a week. Mm -hmm. He comes down here seven days a week to manage this fleet, not because he loves the river. Some people do love the river, though. Well, I, the river's been good to me. It's been good to me, and I've, I have totally enjoyed my past experience in the river. If I had my life to live over, I would hope that I could live everything as I have in the past. Well, I'm, I'm just trying to get well, a... As far as uh, uh, being enchanted by the river or enhanced by the river and all that, no, I no. couldn't say that. No. I love the river. I love the river business. But it's not like a witch's spell over any individual, <laughs> and that no one will tell you it is really, mm -hmm. unless they're spoofing you a little bit. No, I've not heard it yet. Yeah. <laughs> I but guess it, I'm looking for it. A little, Mark, a little Mark Twain. A little Mark Twain. Uh, I've never read Mark Twain. I went up through Mark Twain's cave up there in Hannibal, and I wasn't impressed by that at all. <laughs> I went through their little museum, but it didn't impress me didn't very impress much. Didn't impress you. Okay. The river, why people say they love the river and are committed and dedicated to the river is because the river changes drastically every day there's changes in the river. So you have, if you're going to work with a river business and be involved in the river business, you have to dedicate your life to it, or you, you will not stay in business. Yet, where you're sitting, you're looking out at the river. Right. And you're watching everything... I watch everything going that on. ...that goes on. Oh, yeah. And you thoroughly enjoy it. Well, if I didn't, I wouldn't be here. And I read the daily paper every day. So, so you're not sitting over on that window and looking at the seawall or the levee or whatever it is. You're you're looking at the river. That's right. I'm trying to get you to tell me something. <laughs> <laughs> That's Nothing about to it. tell. Okay. Alright. I mean I'm not a river person and I'm enchanted by it. I could sit here and just uh. If you'd sat here 45 years and looked at the river, you wouldn't be. I wouldn't be. You, you uh, take a lot for granted in life. Yeah. The good Lord gave us the river, and the good Lord will keep the river there. That's yeah. just about the way the mouth says. As far as controlling it, no man will ever control this river. Tell me, uh, tell me about this place we're sitting in. This, not your office, but the... Um, which I very much like. I like your office. I like your American flag. <laughs> but tell me about the St. Louis Riverfront. The St. Louis Riverfront, and also what we're 
what Jack's what what he owns here? Does he own this? No, he was always up uh, about a thousand feet under the Poplar Street Bridge. He was there for a long time. But but what are we on? We're on barges well, right now. Well, he what had to move it? down here when they built the Poplar Street Bridge. And the city owns this river. He moved front. here when they built the Poplar Street Bridge? Yeah. Yeah, the city owns this river frontage. You lease this property from the city. And uh, St. Louis Fuel had been where the Poplar Street Bridge is at the foot of Poplar Street uh -huh. for many years. And uh, when they built the Poplar Street Bridge, you couldn't be under the construction of the bridge, so they moved them down a thousand feet out of the way, and they've been here ever since. Well, you you lease they they leave the city leases the frontage, but that yeah, I'm talking right about I'm talking about we're sitting on barges and yeah. and and who owns the barges? Uh, Jack. Jack. Jack okay. owns the barges. Now he owns this whole strip of uh, like where the he leases this land on 25-year leases from the city. You uh, you pay them twelve dollars and fifty cents a foot now. Used mm -hmm. to I think we paid them five bucks a foot. And they will commit so many feet, linear feet of river frontage to the corporation or company leasing that property. I'm trying to ask how, like, this barge and that's connected to something else. I mean, what are we on? You're on barges now. We're on barges, and he owns the barges. Yeah. Leases the river frontage of the city. So, so you. Uh, does he own that piece over there? It's, oh, yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. That uh, is a tourist center that the city of St. Louis used to have up right under the Admiral for tourists to come in and get information oh. that, uh, that belongs to the city of St. Louis. Oh, because it has, um, it says Fuel Supply St. Louis. Well, it may have the name on it. That don't mean anything. Oh, okay. The city right had there. that. Up where I believe where uh, Warman had his uh, uh, Burger King and that uh, minesweeper. Yeah. And then they decided uh, to discontinue that, so they brought that down and uh, they tie that up here at Jack's place. That's mm -hmm. all. So you and the people that bring pleasure boats in here and and uh, the Oryx and. Uh, Troynick, they all pay yeah, for their you. spots. Yeah, he functioned like a marina. Uh huh. Like a marina, they pay him so much a foot uh, for the boats. He could tell you about that. Yeah. I really don't know what deal he's got on. That. Uh, well, that's enough. That I just wanted to. Yeah. He was the first person I interviewed, and so, you know, I'm beginning to have a little bit of knowledge, a little bit. Um, with each person that I uh, speak with. You need to talk to Dick Burke if you can get a uh, conversation with him. Really. Mm -hmm. um, why, why does this place look the way it looks out here? It just happens. It just happens. Why is it cleaned up down there? Well, that's the city's uh, responsibility to do that. The city isn't its responsibility to clean up here too? Well, the city owns the land. They can do anything they want to with it. From the river's edge you lease. 
at the river 30 feet up, you lease 30 feet up that bank you mean at the river's edge. We have no no uh, commitment to that property. That's owned by the city of St. Louis. You only we only have a river frontage lease, not property lease. You told me about the business part. Um, I do want to know some other things, but I don't want you to be hungry. No, I'm not. Okay. Um, I would like to know what the riverfront was like all the time that you were telling me. Uh, it changed very little. It's, it's always been just like this. Well, we have this big arch now. Um, um, the river always drew tourists. Yeah. The river has always drawn tourists. Somewhere, somewhere, somebody told me that you knew a lot about the bands that played down here. Is that right? I never did know any. That was before my time. Somebody told me. You didn't know anything about the music or? I don't know anything about tourism or what goes on from the river's edge. Jimmy Swift at the Waterway Journal could probably be your most informant man as to the riverfront people. Like when the Goldenrod, uh, or the, what's the yes. name of the, the uh, Green Line steamer boats that come in yeah. and tourism and all that. I don't know anything about none of that. Delta Queen and all that. Jimmy Swift keeps up with all mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I thank you. Thank you. Is there anything I haven't asked you that I just don't know enough to ask you about? Well, I say again, my only interest has been in barge switching and river industry mm -hmm. as far as transportation. One other thing. Uh, the, the two men that work on that fire department, they said the tugboats, the pilots of the tugboat, you know, they, they just, they're, they're a godsend. I mean, they, they take care of everything in this harbor. If something's wrong, they drop everything and, and, and go do. You have to do that to protect yourself. If something goes wrong up above you, a barge gets loose or there's a tobo collision or something, if you don't drop everything and go and take care of that situation immediately, your next in line is going to hit you and knock you out. <laughs> That's a... Yeah. It's a... We... Uh, Self-defense. Oh, yeah. You, you are... We're a matter of surviving family, no matter whether corporations or anybody else is yeah. in charge of <laughs> the monetary end of it. Everyone's very conscientious about the uh, functions of accidents or anything on the river. You didn't really... You didn't do much piloting of of tugboats, did you? Uh, I did for years, but you, you were supposed to have a license. I never did obtain a license. 
I ran by Mess Jam for years and years. Oh, and, you, oh that's right, you did, that, but you didn't have a license. At that time, uh, the Coast Guard never, there was no importance on license of pilots. The only thing for many years, up until recently, and uh, there's been so many regulations and changes mm -hmm. in our military and budgets and, and various things of the Corps of Engineers and Coast Guards, and major industry through large corporate pressures, I'm sure, uh, they started becoming very conscientious about licensing personnel on the river uh, tugs and towboats. Mm -hmm. Up until then, uh, which has not been too long ago, no, nobody ever looked at your tugboat or questioned you or anything else. You were. You insured the thing, you owned the thing, and believe me, you were more concerned about the function and the people than the military and government organization would have been, because it was your loss. And uh, then a few years ago, when uh, drugs and everything, we never had a drug problem on the river. River people always drink. We always, most river people drink a lot of booze. Uh, which didn't seem to interfere with the functions of the river business. But uh, a few years ago when marijuana and drugs started becoming a national problem, uh, it naturally filtered down to the river and then they started drug testing the deckhands every uh, once a year and random tests every six months uh, to protect the deckhands not to protect the industry because a kid get out there and high he's going to walk the river and drown. And the government has had to take a keen interest in this business like any other business because of our change of society. Mm -hmm. When I grew up, up until a few years ago, I never heard of marijuana. I didn't even know it existed. Uh, now it seems like it's one of the major problems in industry because a lot of people smoke pot and they're not capable of employing, uh, being a good employee when they're doing that. So. Pot, smoking pot is the least that people do. The whole world. With uh, drugs. Smoking dope, it seems like when you read the paper and watch the news. Charlie, um, what about segregation down here? Did, about what? About uh, blacks. Segregation. With no, the river there is no front. segregation on the river. If a black man comes down here and applies for a job, they put him right out on the tug. If he can cut it and perform, he's got him a job. We river people aren't so aren't biased in any way whatsoever toward anybody. Never were. We always had the majority of your river docks and people that unload the freight, load the freight. At one time, the longshoremen had a black union and a white union. And the black boys were the stevedores and handled all the freight, and they had their union, and then we worked with those people. So my very best longtime friends are black. Mm -hmm. That worked down at the terminal here. We had like 40 stevedores that were in the black union and uh, maybe 12 machine operators that were in the white union. Never had any problem. And then they, they combine? We never knew what uh, segregation was. Did they combine? The oh, yeah, work together. No, no. Did they combine the unions finally? No, the Longshoreman Union finally got moved completely out like the coal miners union. Mm -hmm. They don't even function here anymore. Mm -hmm. And did they have separate um, 
locker rooms? Or? They had their own union halls, their own union meetings, I assume. I never was involved in it. But I mean when they changed their clothes or something? Oh, yeah, we got up the warehouse, we had uh, like eight shire stalls and uh, the blacks and whites both used the same, same, same toilets and everything. Yeah. We never, we never really did have any black problem or white problem. We didn't look at people's color. We looked at people. Well, if a guy did his work and was a good man, he had it. We liked him. He liked us. I mean, uh, the, the nation has tried to separate race in this uh, working environment that we have to the point where it, most of it, I think, comes through the news media. I don't think it really exists. If you've ever worked with a uh, black and white uh, company. Well, I guess I'm thinking in the 50s and the 40s, you know. Yeah. We never did have any problem. Well, that's, that's nice. Nice. Well, we had Christmas parties down there for all the employees, and we all joined together and had a good time. Mm -hmm. um, so it's pretty. You have a son. One son. He didn't come into this no. business. He hates the river. <laughs> he hates the river. <laughs> no enchantment. <laughs> I brought him to the river when he was in high school his last two years and put him on the tug with me to work out in the snow and sleet and rain and the heat of the summer and he said, I'll never work like you did, Dad. You can have it. He likes interior decorating and sales and marketing out in Clayton. <laughs> Had no interest whatsoever in the river business. Um, so it's a hard life. The work on the river with the nature is very hard. Yes, it's extremely hard. It's the worst conditions you could ever work in. Mm -hmm. It becomes a challenge to you. And you felt, <clears throat> you feel, I believe that you've met it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I made it. Yeah. Anybody can make it that wants to. I guess. They have insulated clothing and things for winter work and boots and things that you really didn't bother. What, what, Charlie, what do you think, um, I mean, my, my doing this and my uh, eventual thrust, <laughs> you know, it can be as simple as just who, who lives and works on the river now? You know, who and, and, and how did they, they come to do this and what's it about? Have you got a better idea for me? Not really. I don't know where this river industry is going. I, uh, I, my wife tells me continually I'm getting old. I'm 63 years old now. But she tells me I'm getting old and I talk like an old man, which I don't feel that I do, but I. I think the river industry has gone through a tremendous change uh, in the last, say, eight years as far as uh, common sense and logic goes uh, in uh, river transportation. I think it's gone through some drastic changes. I think it will come back eventually to the uh, old method of transportation whereby people are friends and like a brother and we depend on one another because of nature. Uh, you cannot be independent and uh, operate and exist on the river 
as a sole uh, company, you have to uh, cooperate fully one with another, which I don't think possibly today is happening the way I, I would like to see it. But I think that too will change because, uh, believe me, insurance losses and cost uh, have a way of governing and correcting any problems in business. Uh, when you have a major cost out here, if you have a fleet breakaway and barges get loose and go down and damage some freight and the barges, you're looking at maybe eight to ten million dollars, of which we have had underwriters for many years cover the cost and we pay the premium. Uh, an underwriter during my experience of the river is no more and nothing other than a finance company, They're just like a bank. If you lose uh, $17 million in losses this year in accidents and uh, mishaps, next year you'll pay that back in your premiums. Uh, there's no free rides out here. So that pretty well controls the river industry. Uh, now I understand, I don't by any means know what the truth or facts are, but I understand a lot of the big companies have gone self-insured. Uh, which, whereby they pay their own losses and they pay no insurance premiums. But I don't think that will last too long after stockholders look closely at the cost. Uh, mainly because you cannot, in business, cover up money's lost. You have to, in some manner, exhibit and uh, prove to the stockholders where the money went. Well, maybe it's better to pay insurance premiums than to pay your losses in a bad year. You may go two or three years with good river condition, normal river condition, no freezing in the winter, no low water in the summer, and you won't have any losses to any extreme as far as uh, mishaps and accidents. And then you may have five years of high water, cold winters, and your accidents and, oh, your cost just, just bombshells on you. So for that reason, I, I favor the uh, large underwriters uh, in the uh, marine business to uh, carry the load. And that corrects anybody that's not functioning and performing properly is not in business too long because they can't afford the insurance premiums. Uh, they'll never cancel you. You don't have to worry about that. They just charge you. Just charge you. And they major, the main thing they do is through deductibles on your insurance marine policies. I always maintained a five to $10,000 deductible on all of my marine policies. Uh, where if I have an accident, I pay $5,000 and they pay the rest. And the next year I eat it in the premiums and amortize it out properly. Makes you a very good operator. You don't want to have accidents. And I think that will come back. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think you will see uh, this industry ever becoming a industry where they're so independent that they don't use other functions of the of, uh, business, which naturally everybody would like to do. I've got... Um I've got one more segment, and I can do it now, or I can wait. 
Um, and that's the flood. The what? The flood. Well, they come every spring anymore. We never used to have that. We had a, uh, through my history of the river, we had what they call 20-year cycles. Mm -hmm. Every 20 years you had a flood. When I came on the river in 53, we had a flood. We didn't have another flood until 73. Then we never had another major flood until 93. But since 93, we've been having a flood every spring because of the, the uh, that again, is nature. Uh, we never, I don't remember in my lifetime hearing of people having 20 inches of rain in 24 hours and things like what's happening today, yeah. which I certainly can't explain. Well, I'm going to get rid of this tape. Is it nature or is it the way people have um, man has managed this river? Well, I, I, uh, I know for a fact that the uh, Corps of Engineers who uh, trying to be more efficient and maintain a good river and channel and, and river control, they did uh, close off a lot of the floodplains, uh, like up at Earth City and those various areas where they uh, levied the river and put industry up on the dry land, uh, as they experienced in 93, where the flood made its own uh, river basin and floodplain again. Uh, to me, that is a major problem that the engineers are going to have to deal with. Mm -hmm. But that, again, is none of my business. Uh, I do think that uh, what they have done with the river in condensing the flow of the river area, that possibly uh, if we have a lot of wet weather, they're going to have a low flow problem. Because the river doesn't uh, respect an earthen levee at all. If the river gets so full and stays full for very long, it will erode that levee and it will find its own way throughout the fields and things to an, expand. An earthen levee? Yes. What's an earthen levee? That right over across the river. Oh, so there's no 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 wall, no nothing. Not just, just dirt. Dirt. If the river stays high and there's enough pressure on that levee and the current keeps running, it erodes it and eventually it'll break a little stream through there and first thing you know, the river's finding its way back where it used to be. Mm -hmm. And it's gonna keep on doing that. You can never control this river. And you can't control the rain cycles. So uh, some of the probably uh, ideals of uh, developing big uh, flood plains and the rich farmland and fertile valleys may not happen. Yeah. If I wanted to talk to somebody in the city about why this looks this way, where would I go? Nick Nichols. Nick Nichols. Nick Nichols is the Port Authority Director and he is over the river frontage for the city of St. Louis. Uh, he's not the Port Authority Director, but he is the functioning, like, Director of Operations for the Port Authority. Uh -huh. Would that be a good idea? He's uptown. 
would that be a good idea for me to do? To write about a hell of a study, take care of this riverfront? Go I wouldn't do that. Go talk to him? I like Nick. He's a very personal close friend of mine. He'll talk to you, but I wouldn't try to put him on the spot about the maintenance. The street department's the one that picks up the logs and cleans up the riverfront out here. Uh, that's strictly through the city hall. But Nick is who we deal with on, uh, like, if we want to do something on our riverfront property or whatever. He's the one who takes it to the Port Authority, which is made up of several businessmen in the city of St. Louis. I think Alvarez's and those people are the Port Authority. I interviewed a couple of people who came with pleasure boats and parked right out here, and they could not believe what this was like. Um. <laughs> I don't get involved in politics. Well, it's not politics, it's just they said it was so, so dangerous to walk from at night from here to down there. Jack could tell you more about that than me. He deals with these people. I don't deal with these people. I never talked to him. Carl said they shouldn't be here anyway. This but, isn't an area for pleasure boats. It's too rough. The river's too rush, rough for pleasure Carl, boats. Car, Carl's pretty opinionated. Somebody <laughs> talks too much. <laughs> You're a very articulate and intelligent man. <laughs> And I do thank you for your time. And if I should have a couple of other questions or concerns, would you talk to me again for a minute? I may go back in business. Hmm? That wasn't surprising. If I wanted to come and talk to you again, if I wanted to come down here and talk to you again, would you talk to me again? Well, sure. You didn't okay. even catch me. Okay. I don't have any commitments. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks.